Welcome to the latest edition of the Views from the Wings podcast. Uh, we're back here talking about the the mess that the Eagles are, and something that came up last night was that Doug he was willing to give up his play calling. Well, so, some of it, but he ended up giving it up to Press Taylor, which I think was just such a, such a bad decision. He could have given it to Deuce. He could have given it to Rich Gangarello, like. You could have given it to those guys, but you ended up giving it to a guy who probably hasn't, doesn't even deserve to have to be the quarterbacks coach. Like, what's your take on it? Well, it, it doesn't make any sense considering he's never never called plays anywhere else. Um, yeah. You know, he's never called plays at any level. I mean, as far as I know, so that I don't understand. And apparently, Rich is getting uh, the uh, third down or red zone play calls every once in a while. I guess just whenever Doug feels like he needs to, I, I don't know. I was reading more into it, and it said he's doing like the two minute offense. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, so we saw the two minutes against Seattle in the end of the first half. They, they got into a rhythm, so it's kind of like, you know, what are we doing here? Should we just give the play calling to Rich and stuff? Let him work with it, or are we just gonna let this offense be very stagnant at times? Well, I mean, yeah, and you, you saw their their only touchdown, their only really uh, points of the first uh, first quarter. It was, uh, you know, that big long fifteen play drive, and the they had already the offense had already you know punted five times. You know, you, they didn't have a first down until until Seattle had already already had those touchdown drives, and I thought the defense was, you know, they played really well um, con- considering the offense they're playing against and. Mm-hmm. Considering the, the, just how how poor the offense was, and you have like you know negative yardage after your first three first three drives, and as a defense, how do you what do you do when when you get when you get no help whatsoever? And you know we me and you have probably both complained about how when the offense was rolling and how it would be so frustrating when the defense would just give up points right after a touchdown. Yeah. And, it's it's the exact opposite where the defense gets these stops they get you know and people want to complain about the defense not having turnovers that's fine I mean yeah they they don't force turnovers but that is really a fluky thing turnovers are not something you can scheme as a defensive coordinator um I count turnover on downs I count turnover on downs as turnovers I mean it's the same damn thing yeah what's the difference so you get the ball back either way you know without a punt so that's a win And, and the defense Doing what they did to Russell Wilson in that offense for how long they did is is really I thought was incredible and, and the fact the offense wasn't able to do anything that's just Doug Peterson Carson Wentz again and and you saw their their only first down they actually got it wasn't even like it was a a, a great scheme by Doug it was a twenty yard scramble by Wentz on a broken play yeah. so <laughs> it's it's like what what are we doing here man what are we doing yeah and I think the tone that was set by the defense was when um. When Slay and Metcalf got into that, you know, like that little pushing match. And then I think that kind of, you know, set the tone of what, what night it was going to be for the defense. They're going to do whatever they can to, you know, help the offense. They weren't, they're able to get those turnover on downs, but they did as, as best as, as best as they could. And the offense really couldn't do anything with it. And that it's just really frustrating knowing we have, it's, one one side of the team will play good, the other side will play bad. It's like a we there hasn't been a like a really you know 
we haven't played a four-quarters type game this whole season. It's either been a half or a quarter. And it's just fu- it's frustrating, you know, just watching. You hope the offense can turn it around. They don't. You hope the defense can turn it around. They don't. It's just like, what, you know, what are we supposed to expect now? Just destroying just, just a game for 60 minutes. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, the lack of, you know, consistency within just a single game, I think that falls on the coaching staff. Maybe not just Doug. It's not yeah. just Peterson, but, I mean, the, the lack of preparation, that that is huge, man. And you can tell that this team is just not prepared at times. There are so many miscommunications. Even when stuff does go right, mm-hmm. there's miscommunication. Wentz thinks, you know, Goddard's breaking right. He's really breaking left. You know, uh, Boston Scott thinks he's pass protecting. The offensive line thinks they're running a, a screen. So even when you get these plays that that look like they might work, that, you know, the, the setup is nice, there's just zero communication. And, again, even highlighting that when you had um, Caleb Wilson, you know, checking in, they tried to run tempo, and, and we're sitting – they're sitting there standing in the middle of the field for like 40 seconds trying to get the play. <laughs> and they end up just calling a quarterback sneak anyway. So – yeah. It, you, there's just zero communication between anybody. It seems like there, no one's on the same page, and that falls on the coaching staff, and and it does fall mostly on Doug Peterson, in my opinion. Yeah, it does, and he just—I don't know what's up with him since the Super Bowl year. He's very—he doesn't have the team ready to play in the early part of the season. Usually, this is a time where he usually turns it on, and we probably win a we probably go like four and one or something like that. It's just, we're a good team. We have good players. We have talented players. It's just, you know, it's mind boggling on how we just can't start off fast. You know, even 2018, we didn't, we started off two and one, but we really didn't play well. And then it just, we lost two games in a row there. And then it was kind of a, we would win one, then lose two, then win one, then lose two. And it's a cycle that keeps on repeating itself, which is just frustrating. And, you know, something needs to change. I, as much as I don't like, I don't like Doug right now. I hope he gets like, he's able to, you know, get an offensive coordinator, but knowing him and his personality, I doubt he will. And that's just gonna, we're probably going to see the same thing happening this year, next year. And that's just, that shouldn't happen. That's where I'm at with it because, I mean, you look at the roster, you look at the cap situation, and you look at the coaching staff. I don't see much that changes going into next year and unless somehow something just does a complete 180. You know, in the offseason, like you said, they get some sort of, like, offensive coordinator that, that is allowed to have way more control. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much Doug is going to concede because, I mean, he obviously wants to call plays. He, he's talked about it, you know, recently how much it means to him. So, so I don't know if getting a, you know a high level offensive coordinator how much that's going to make a difference when you when you still got Doug as the captain of the ship. So and and for me, man, I like Doug Peterson. I, I will always you know the the run he had in 2017 was unbelievable. You know, yeah. well he's been able to deal with injuries 2017, 2018, even 2019, still incredible. But you look at you know bottom line outside of 2017, he's not a good coach, man. Um, his record, including playoffs, is 29-32-1 outside of 2017. So, I mean, you look at this offense this year, 28th in yards per game, 25th in points per game. Your defense is ninth in passing yards allowed. It's um, 
I'm sorry, ninth in total yards allowed, eighth in passing yards allowed. 16th in points allowed obviously is not great middle of the road, you know, exactly middle of the road pretty much there. But a huge reason is the turnovers. You know, when you're when you're on offense, I mean, when you're defense and you, you're dealing with a, a team that's, you know, near the lead, lead in turnovers, you've got a quarterback that can't stop turning the ball over. Of course, you're going to give up, you know, points. So it, in my mind, this team has become what before it was an offensive team that struggled with, you know, giving up chunk plays on defense, giving up these back-breaking drives, these huge, you know, comeback victories like they did against the Panthers, like they did, you know, against Washington. So, but it's turned from that into a team that, that does great on defense, man. You know, yeah. they're a stout defense. They don't get turnovers, you know, whatever. That's fine. They, they are able to hold offenses in check and give your own offense an opportunity, and that's all you can ask for. And they, they squander opportunities on offense left and right, man. And just you saw it last, yes, or I mean last game, it was just a microcosm of the season. The defense coming up with stops and the offense punting the ball away, getting negative yardage, you know, doing nothing, throwing a, an idiotic interception to nobody in the, in the, in the end zone. So it's yeah. just one thing, it's one thing after another. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they just, if they still do it, but what's, what's up with the scripted plays? Like, but why don't you have that in the offense? You see a bunch of, uh, really good offensive coordinators or head coaches that are play callers, they always have 10 to 15 plays of, that are scripted. What, what, I don't understand what, why, why we can't do that because it's going to help the quarterback knowing what plays are going to be called. If you just keep on doing what you're doing and you're just going to caution is still going to be in the, in the funk that he is right now and it's not going to change. I just like the offense in the whole is just. Hiring all those offensive assistants was just dumb. And then, see, I was, I was looking this up and it turns out that Jeffrey Lurie, he wanted how, he wanted Doug to hire a, a tra- traditional offensive coordinator. They were going to get Joe Brady out of LSU or Matt, uh, Graham Harrell out of USC. They yeah. were going to come here. They wanted to go plays. Doug wouldn't allow them. So that's kind of like, that falls on Doug's shoulders. Like, I understand like calling plays is a, is a pretty big thing in the NFL because you basically can co- control the offense, but at some point you have to give it up. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. At some point something's got to change. Something's got to give. And, yeah. you know, and it seems like he's just like oblivious to, to how bad he's been because, yeah. um, the question, you know, I was reading some transcripts of the press conference, uh, the other day and, he was talking about, you know, someone asked him if he was in a rut, and he's like, no, I, you know, I don't think I'm in a rut. Why would you ask me that? And it's like, man, yeah. have you seen your offense? Have you seen what's going on? And it just seems like there's a disconnect between the product on the field and what Doug thinks is going on. Because I'm sure – I mean, he's got pride in his team. He yeah. doesn't want to go up there and say our team is bad. You know, he's he's a player's coach. He wants to protect his players at the end of the day, and that is very obvious. And I think at a certain point you've got to, you know – You've got to see things for what they are, and this team is not good, and it hasn't been good for, for quite some time. <laughs> it's the same problems all year are, are happening over and over and over again. And you see what you, you roll Wentz out one time, one time you roll him out, and it was uh, Richard Rodgers was wide open. It opened everything up. Wentz threw a, real, a pretty accurate ball. He had options other places to go. So Wins is obviously so much more comfortable rolling to his right and letting, you know, being able to see the whole field. And yeah. it's obvious that Wins can't process right now. 
can't process the field. We're seeing him miss, you know, these reads. And whenever he doesn't miss the reads, he's got accuracy issues. And when he does hit the reads, you know, someone drops it or, you know, <laughs> something else happens. So it's just issues compa- compounding each other. And, and right now I don't, I don't think it gets better at all this year. And yeah. Probably going to lose at, at least the next two, and then then you're looking at still being able to win the division probably. So we'll see what happens, you know, those final two weeks. Yeah. One thing that I, pe- I get that people are not talking about is the wide receiver coach, Aaron Moorhead. I think he's done like a – being able to get full gum, like to play with how he was playing. And he, I think he's done a really good job. I think – He's probably been our best wide receiver coach since Mike Rowe. And you need somebody like that to help the receivers because the only, the only thing Doug is doing for the wide receivers is either running a, a go route, a post route, or uh, a bubble screen. That's mm-hmm. like, and you know, I think we saw one time in the, in the Seahawks game where they ran Jalen Rager and uh, uh, I think it was a bubble screen. That's just if you go look back at his TCU tape, I on a fourth down he got a I think it was like a a screen round he took it all the way to the house like you gotta stop giving those reps to Greg Ward and give them to Jalen Rager like obviously he can Jalen he can be a little bit more better at his at route running he's a rookie that that help grow over time he'll be he'll get better at that but just the coaches need to know how to put the offense in position I don't care if you know, taking shots on the field is awesome when it works. It sucks when it doesn't. But the one thing that they need to focus on is just doing the little things. Stop doing these, like, enough with the 12 personnel. Like, that's – you can't run the t- 12 personnel without Zacherts. Let's just leave it at that. Running the 12 personnel with Goddard and Rogers and fucking Caleb Wilson, that's not going to work. Like – and run, you gotta run the ball. Like, I don't understand what's Doug's hesitancy to running the ball. Six rushing, rushing attempts, man. Six, yeah, six, six times. rushing attempts. Like, what you have, what Sanders is probably our, like our, our feature, our first featured back since Shady. Yeah. Like, you're not using him correctly. I don't know if, I know Deuce, he controls the running backs, but. I don't know what to say on how many times they go in a game. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're down 7-0, it's not – you don't have to have been in the run. If you're down, like, 20 points, then yeah, I get it. But you can still – you can still run the ball. Like, Miles, he's averaging what? He's probably the third best running back in yards per game. Like, Yeah, he's he's still averaging um, 5.6 yards per attempt this year. So, And he's got, he's got 108 carries, so – yeah, it's just like some attempts. So I don't understand. I'm, maybe it's because Doug Reed comes from the Andy Reed tree, and when Andy was here, he hated running the ball. Like he'd run. He he's part of the West Coast offense, and West Coast offense is passing the ball, throwing the ball down the field. Hmm. And then when you have a guy like Miles Sanders, you got to use him. You got to. We saw what he did last year against Washington when he had like twelve carries, either between twelve and twenty carries, and he had he had over a hundred yard game. So I don't, I don't, and against Pittsburgh where he had that long run, like you just give him the ball and he'll be able to in screen or, you know, outside and inside runs. Just, you know, you put, if you put the ball into your best playmaker's hand, they'll make plays. You just got to trust them. And I just don't think with the offense struggling that 
the coaches are they're not trusting the players. Yeah, and, and when you've got an offense that's lacking, like uh, lacking big play, you know, explosive players, and like you said, Miles Sanders, he's a very explosive player. You know, get him involved in the game. You got to get him involved early. And I understand trying to get wins in a rhythm early, like they did. You know, throwing, you know, I mean, which they did run an RPO for one of those first three plays. So technically, it wasn't all three passes. But you know, they're trying to get wins in a rhythm, trying to hit, get him some, you know, quick wins. Some easy wins. I understand that. Get Miles Sanders some easy wins. Yeah. Get him fucking going. Get the offensive line in that run blocking mentality because they can't pass block. They yeah. obviously cannot pass block, man. You have Jason Peters on one foot and he's seven thousand years old. You've got Matt Pryor who who can't play anywhere. He can't play guard. He can't play tackle. So what's the point even starting him? You've got one offensive tackle that's actually good and it's like his what twentieth game ever? Not even twentieth, probably like his fifteenth or some shit. You know, so you've got, you can't be pass protecting as much as they're trying to do. Get, do, have a game plan like you had against, like you had against Buffalo, like you had against Green Bay last year. Run it down, you know, run it down these defenses' throats. And when you've got a quarterback that's struggling like Wentz is, maybe once you get a running game going, maybe once he sees, wow, you know, I'm getting, you know, some help with my running game, maybe that'll give him more confidence. I don't know. I just, I just know that doing what they're doing, continuing to try to throw it, you know, as much as they are, it's not working. It's not working. You got to continue to give miles, you know, these, these carries and Doug will continue to say, it's all about our first down success, you know, cause they'll run one time on first down. It'll get a one yard, no, no gain. And then he'll just stop throwing it for the rest of the drive. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, I agree with you that they, they've got to start giving miles some touches. You, you got to give them in space. And, and I guess, I guess Miles Sanders, even when he does sometimes get those opportunities, he'll drop it. You know, he's got like a 30% drop rate, I think it is, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Some of those balls he's dropping, they're bad placement. They're, you know, Wentz is throwing it at his ankles or he's throwing it high. But, I mean, they're hitting him in both his hands. And that's another thing kind of off topic where Wentz's ball placement has been as bad as I've ever seen it in my life. Yeah. Um, but that's contributing a lot to, I think, how many drops the Eagles are seeing this year. But, at the end of the day, you got to get Miles Sanders involved. You have to get him runs. You got to get him, you know, these t- uh, short, you know, middle screens. Get him some screens to the outside. When's the last time they've run a screen to the outside to Miles Sanders? I don't think, you know, they don't they don't run it anymore. They just they continue to run the, the same concepts that don't work, and I don't I don't get it. Yeah, like to say, like all of these commentators say, that runs runs up the, runs up the play action pass. Play action pass doesn't set up the run. Like it's not that hard, but. Well, there's another part of the Eagles problem, and that is Harry Roseman. A lot of people on Eagles Twitter have been calling for his job, and I just think, I think I said it on Wednesday night, like, I'm fine if you, like, if you keep Howie, but don't let him do the draft. Just let him do free agency and contracts. Just let him do that. Get somebody else. Let Andy Weidel control the draft. Like, cause Howie, he's not, he hasn't had a good track record. And it's just frustrating seeing guys like DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson balling out in their in their respective teams, and that's just like a you know a gut punch to Eagles fans at the moment because they know their first round pick this year and their second round pick last year is not aren't even doing aren't even contributing. So it's like it's just like what do you think the Eagles should do with Howie? I'm I'm with you, man. I think. Ideally, I think they get rid of him, and I think they 
just fire him. And I know that's it's kind of a controversial maybe take a little bit because I mean how he does have a track record of six, some success recently. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I think I don't think that's going to happen. So realistically, I think you bring in another outside football mind like you did with the Joe Douglas. Bring in someone that knows football, and I was saying this on I think our last or last podcast or the one before that. How you need to have a football mind to be the player personnel guy, or or just the scouting department, because apparently the scouting department wanted DK. I mean, I'm sorry, not DK. They wanted Jefferson, and they wanted Jeremy Chin this year. And Howie said, "Nope, I want Ravier. I want Jalen Hurts of all." Players. So yeah, apparently the scouting department knows what they're doing. And in in another way, another thing to um, give credence to this is the fact that the scouting department found Travis Fulgham. I mean, that's scouting department. That's not Howie Roseman. That's the scouting department giving Howie Roseman the, the, the information on Fulgham and letting yeah. him sign him. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that you got to get rid of Howie Roseman's player personnel decisions, his draft, you know, decisions. Maybe let him have a voice. Let him sit at the table. But there, the the days of him being the the final say in draft decisions should be done. Yeah. And if, if if it's not, that's just a that's just. <laughs> It's it's malpractice, man, and it's it just if he's if he still has the control he does right now, or as he has the previous drafts, as if he still has that control moving forward, that is just going to go to show that this team is is uh they're not the same team that they that they think they are. They're not the team that is you know, Colin Cowherd would would say you know one of the you know upper echelon teams in the NFL, one of the franchises that are, you know, one of the gold standard franchises, which is something I've always thought the Eagles were. I always, you know, you look at the Browns, you look at the Jaguars, you look at the Bengals. These are some horrible franchises that are going to continue to be horrible because they're just, that's just who they are to their core. You know, they may have a season here too. That's great. But it seems like the Eagles are starting to slowly turn into one of those teams, man. Just this off season is going to tell us a lot. I think, about how Jeff, how how Jeffrey Lurie feels about this team, yeah. how committed he is to actually getting this team to be a contender and not committed to the relationships he's formed over the years. Because to me, that's what it's seeming like that Jeffrey Lurie is more beholden to the relationships he has with players and coaches and and front office members than he is to the fan base, to the people that you know want this team to succeed. That you know actually <laughs> care about this team, you know, and it. It's frustrating to see the complacency, especially after what all the shit we heard, you know, the new normal in 2017, all that stuff. And it seems like the complacency is, is just the actual new normal. And we'll see if Howie still has control over the draft, if he still has personnel decisions, then we're going to know that Jeff Lurie, he, he doesn't want to see changes. He wants to, to keep Howie as his buddy. So we'll see. Yeah, I was just looking at the scouting department right now on the Eagles website, and it says that Andy, Andy Weidel's of Vice President of Player Personnel. And then you have Tim Donahoe, who's the senior, senior football advisor. And there's, then there's a bunch of other scouts. So we really don't know which, which scout is like the main guy. So it's kind of, it's hard to pinpoint who should, who should replace Howie in, in that aspect. But for me, I don't know if you, you probably, you heard of what, Louis Riddick was saying he was just eviscerating Howie on national television. Some people <laughs> I love thought it, it was uh, some people thought it was a, he was laying a little, little bit too thick. I'm I'm okay with that because Louis Riddick and Louis Riddick hates Howie Roseman. Let's just put that out there. Like there's no love lost. So 
if there's anybody, if there's any two GM candidates who I want to, um, to be the GM of the Eagles, it would be two pe- people who know this, who've been in this building before, and that's Lewis Riddick and Daniel Jeremiah. Those are the two guys that I would really want in the building. Like you said before, I think Jeffrey Lurie is very committed to guys who've been in the, who've been in this organization for a long time. And I think Howie Roseman has been with the Eagles since 2000. So yep. I doubt he's going to get rid of him. I doubt, honestly, man, I doubt there's going to be any changes this year. The only changes I see being are offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. I doubt, I think in my heart of hearts, I believe that 2021 is going to be the last year. For together for um, Howie, Doug, and Jim Schwartz, one of them is going to be gone in 2022. So it's kind of like pinpointing who's that going to be, and mm-hmm. um, who's going to say or wins too. <laughs> it could be uh, wins too. <laughs> why this contract contract is a little bit, you know, it's really tough against the cap. I think the next two mm-hmm. years, 21 and 22. Right. Well, in 22, um, they can save like six mil. I think they own, let me, let me check Spotrack real trick, but I, I checked not too long ago, but, um, I, I believe in 2022, they actually can get out from underneath it, but there's still, the thing is, they'll still have to pay him. Um, they'll still have to pay him to leave and whatnot, but they will save some money. Uh, let me real quick here. Um, cause I believe it's like a 30, $31 million cap hit that he takes on in 2022. Yeah, $31.2 million cap hit 2022 and he carries 24 and a half dead. So you'll save small, small amount, but you're still paying him 24 and a half million to walk out the door. So you're probably right. You know, tw- unless, unless 2021 he is continuing to be, you know, the worst, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. If that continues on to 2021, yeah, then I think I think that's his last year. But if he has like, I think I, f- I forget who said it, but somebody said that Carson was actually a better quarterback in 2018 than 2019. Even well, though- statistically, if you look at his statistics, um, yeah. absolutely. I mean, his completion percentage, his passer rating, um, his yards per game, his touchdowns per game, I believe, were more. Um, yeah, yeah, because his 16 game pace in 2018 was 30 touchdowns. He threw a little bit more interceptions, but yes, in 2018, you can look per game. You can look at his um, AYA, his NYA, all those, all those uh, statistics. A lot yeah. of those career highs for him. So 2018, absolutely, and, and he gets a lot of crap because they were five and six, but he was also two ridiculous defensive collapses away from being, you know, what well, the opposite of that seven and four. So. Is I, think, I think we're getting to see what Wentz is. We think we've, we've seen Wentz's ceiling 2017 and now we're seeing his floor, which is 2020. So I think if he's more, if he's more of 20, if he's more of the quarterback in 2018 next year, then he's going to be here for, for until his contract runs out at the. Yeah, I would agree with that, but. It comes to the, it comes, that, that begs the question, how does he get back there? You know, how, who, who is going to get him back there? And new quarterback coach and new offensive coordinator. Get Press Taylor out of here. I don't know why he was, he was part of the Chip Kelly staff. I don't, I don't know why he stayed on, but. I honestly, and this could just be me being, you know, an idiot, but I honestly think <laughs> that the, the Philly special was a huge reason why he was still on the team. He was the, he was the guy that found the play. Yeah. He was, 
that, that presented it to the coaching staff. So I think that uh, that may have had a big reason. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the reasoning is. Other than he's real, he loves Carson Wentz and they're great friends. Maybe that's Doug Wentz. He can't have a coaches like positional coaches that can't be friends. Like I doubt, I doubt Wentz respects Taylor at all. Like he does. how could he? He's like Taylor's like four years older than him. He's, yeah. He's, they're both like the same age. They probably talk about the same stuff. Like you can't just you can't have a conversation like a friend, like you said, with a positional coach. And, and sometimes head coaches that that relationship is a little bit different. But a positional coach, that's someone that needs to be on your ass. Do you think that the offensive line coach is buddy buddy with Jason Kelsey? Do you do you think Jeff Stoutland is 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 best friends with all these offenses? Hell no. He's on their ass twenty four seven, man. And yeah. That is what you need. And I'm sorry if Carson is a type A personality and he wants to certain things be certain ways. I don't care. You need a type A personality quarterback coach to push against that, to say, no, fuck you. We're going to do things this way. You're not a coach. You can't decide how we're going to practice. And I don't know if those things are happening. You know, who knows if that's what's happening? But I can't imagine that things are, you know, very difficult for Carson on a day-to-day basis, you know, with – um you know, self-reflection or trying to get better. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't see how it is if considering how poorly he's looked and how bad his mechanics have been recently. Yeah. Well, we got a tough week, tough game against the Packers. Yep. Yep. Rogers is doing his old, his old thing. Hopefully he can ball out against the Eagles so I can get into the fantasy playoffs. (laughs) That's all I need. I need him to ball out and, Everybody else on my team, but I would be, I would be very shocked if the Eagles went into Green Bay and beat the Packers. I doubt they're going to do that. I think it'll be a close game, but I think they'll end up losing it just because. Yeah, uh, it's going to be tough back to back years, especially it being December weather, man. You're in freaking Lambeau in December. That's not going to be fun. Carson's already having trouble, you know, so the weather's not going to help him. Unless they have that game plan they had against them last year, because the the, the way to beat Green Bay's defense this year is the same as it was last year. You, you got to run, run it at them, you know. And we're probably going to see a lot of twelve again. Your favorite, so <laughs> that'll be too. But I I hope they. I don't know. Even if they use that same game plan, I don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think they're the same team they were last year. I don't think that twelve personnel works nearly as well as it did last year. So. I'm still with you. I think they need to keep spreading this offense out, man. Get get some bunches, you know, get some bunch sets, get some crossing routes, get wins outside the pocket, move them off his spot. And I said this on Twitter, you saw the the Seahawks, the, the Eagles defensive line was dominant, man. Yeah. They were they were they were in Russ's face, you know, making shit really difficult for him. So what did they do? They started moving the spot. The same thing that, that the Cleveland Browns did with Baker Mayfield, the same thing we've seen other teams do against our defensive line because they know that our defensive line can wreck a game. So what do you do? You move the quarterback off the spot instead of getting that defensive end that is still rushing. You know what I mean? Because as as a defensive end, they're in some sort of rhythm themselves. You know what I mean? They're trying to find the quarterback. They're trying to get to that spot. And if you move that spot consistently, that is going to disrupt the you know the momentum that a defensive end has. But if you keep that quarterback in that same spot every time, man, it's it's gonna it's gonna make it easier for him. So. Uh, we're going to need to see a, a completely different game plan to have any sort of a chance against Green Bay because they're going to light us up. Darius Slay's questionable, so we might see Avante Maddox against um, oh, against Avante Adams, which should be very fun. 
But um, no, I, I don't have very high hopes. I think Green Bay destroys us. It's probably going to be a two possession loss at least. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it at that. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Take it easy.